Hey kids, it's time for another Just Another Fanboy Classic episode. This week we got episode number 11, which was originally published on Wednesday, November 8th, 2006. But before we get started with all that, I just have a couple of quick things. First up, I wanted to remind everyone about the two live streams I have coming up. First, on Monday, March 21st at 7 p.m. Central, Ed Moore and I will be meeting up to record a few episodes of an upcoming podcast we're calling The Superman Super Show. The idea here is that the two of us are going to read as many Superman comics as we can, starting with Action Comics number one, then talk about them on the show one issue at a time, and we invite you to watch as we try to cobble something together. Next, on April 2nd, also at 7 p.m. Central, I'm going to live stream my recording of Just Another Fanboy episode number 250, and I'll be answering your questions. You can email your questions to me ahead of time to justanotherfanboy at gmail.com, or you can join the live stream on YouTube and ask me questions there in the chat, or you can do both. The only thing that I ask is that if you send me an email, please put episode 250 in the subject line. I hope to see y'all there because I think it's going to be a great big fun pie. All right, one last thing. As you finish up this episode, if you want to hear more thoughts on my top number one comic of October 2006, I'm going to be talking about it tomorrow on my other podcast. That's a weekly podcast you can listen to for just a dollar a month over at my Patreon, patreon.com slash Stephen R. Or the link will be in the show notes. All right, that's it. The spam has been released. So now it's on to this week's J.A.F. Classic episode. Enjoy. You're listening to Just Another Fanboy, the only podcast with six toes on each foot. Just Another Fanboy is a Lynx broadcasting production. Just like a comic book! 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 Welcome to episode number 11 of Just Another Fanboy. This episode was recorded on November 7th, 2006, and needs a nice big cup of coffee just to get itself going each morning. I'm your host, Stephen, and I welcome you once more into the ranks of the socially demented and clinically well-read. This week, we come at you like a bucket full of wet cats. We got your regular news and picks of the week. My top three books of October 2006 swing in like Tarzan with the bad chest cold. Gary slides in with At The Movies with Gary Indiana, where another lucky listener will win a $10 iTunes gift certificate. This Week on Heroes makes an appearance before retiring to its room on account of having a bad back, and Norman, Oklahoma has a bone to pick with Wizard Magazine. But before we just toss ourselves unceremoniously into the show, I just wanted to touch on an item that's been all over the web this past week. It seems that Wildcats issue number two by Grant Morrison and Jim Lee has been reported as being resolicited for March of 2007. March of 2007? Here we go. That's gotta be a joke. Please, <laughs> tell me that's a joke. Please. I'm you afraid. Tell me it's a joke. I'm afraid not, Norman. Oh, I got it right on. here on a press release from DC. It states, please note that orders for the Aww. Wildcats number two standard edition and variant edition have been canceled. You gotta be kidding. This issue will be resolicited in the January previews to be in stores on March 2007. Uh, I, I'm just speechless. I don't understand how something like this can happen. What's wrong with the industry when books like this can be so damn late? I don't know, Norman. And the sad thing is that I really enjoyed the first issue. 
So, you know, I'm still going to buy issue two, but now I got to wait five months. At least, you know, at least I dropped All-Star Batman and Robin, right? I guess so. This is just a pisser, my friend. This is a complete pisser. Yeah, well, I think we found something we can agree on, old chum. Old chum? You know, you really need to get out more often. <laughs> I think somebody needs a hug. Oh, piss off. No. I'm out of here. You call no. me when my segment's Don't up. go. See ya. Norman. Normie. <laughs> Anyway, on a personal note, I'd like to say a big and happy welcome home to my wife's brother, Major Roger T. Ashelman, and the rest of the men from the 137th Infantry National Guard Unit out of Kansas. These fine servicemen are expected back in their home state on Thursday afternoon after a year's deployment in Iraq. Thank you for your service and welcome home, boys. I guess it's time for news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort. This week's news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort is brought to you by the good people at Peppy Pete's Body Palace. When was the last time you used a public restroom that was clean and not covered with bodily waste? How often do you walk into a gas station bathroom only to turn right back around for fear of losing your lunch? Do you ever dream of using the type of facilities you see in a five-star restaurant without paying for the five-star meal? Well, thanks to Peppy Pete's Potty Palace, your dreams have become a reality. Peppy Pete has labored continuously over the past decade to provide the finest and low-cost luxury pay toilets on each city block in each city and town around the nation. So when you have to go, but you don't want to sit on 16 layers of toilet paper, then try Peppy Pete's Body Palace. Only 25 cents a visit, or buy a membership card for only $10 a month. Peppy Pete's Potty Palace. It's the place to crap. Get ready for Stan Lee, Joe Casada, One Stage, and you, along with some surprise guests in Los Angeles for an evening of conversation, debate, chat, discourse, and chewing the pop culture fat about the history and future of Marvel Comics. It's like inside the actor's studio, only without the pretense and with a lot more pool. First announced at San Diego Comic Con, tickets for Marvel, then and now, an evening with Stan Lee and Joe Casada, scheduled for 7 p.m. at UCLA's Ackerman Grand Ballroom, are now on sale at the UCLA box office and all Los Angeles area Ticketmaster outlets. Ticket prices are $18 for UCLA students and $20 for non-students, with all proceeds going to benefit the Hero Initiative, a federally chartered not-for-profit organization that provides financial assistance for comic creators in need. Tickets are also available for a VIP reception before the program, which will feature the ability to hobnob, rub elbows, and otherwise just hang out with Stan and Joe and some of the evening's special guests. These tickets are $100 and also benefit the Hero Initiative. To purchase VIP tickets, call the UCLA box office at 310-825-2101. What are Mark Miller and Brian Hitch working on post-Ultimates 2? Mr. Miller left fandom a clue on his message boards where he asked board members, quote, as far as the Marvel U was concerned, who was the first heroine, end quote. When the response came back, Miller eventually replied, quote, cool, thanks folks, I've gone for Miss America. This all ties in with, with the Hitchy Project. Oh, you're going to like this, end quote. Then he added, quote, No, it's not set in the past. This is all set in the present day, but Maddie being the first actually works really well for something, end quote. Let the speculation run wild. 
Top Cow Productions is proud to announce the long-awaited release dates of their Compendium line of trade paperback collections. The new line of Compendium editions from Top Cow will be a great value for old and new readers alike who want to delve into the Top Cow universe. Each Compendium contains 50 full issues of content in full color and is priced at an economical $59.99. Even at cover price, this material would normally cost fans over $150. The first release in the line will be the Witchblade Volume 1 Compendium, which is expected in stores on November 15th. The collection will collect Witchblade issue number 1 through 50 in order and chronicles the origins and evolution of Sarah Pizzini, the bearer of the mystical Witchblade. This volume contains stories by David Wall, Christina Z, and Paul Jenkins, and art by Michael Turner, Randy Green, and Kao Cha. Plus the first appearances of Sarah, the Witchblade, Kenneth Irons, Ian Nottingham, and Jackie Estacado, the Darkness. A second volume is planned for release in the summer of 2007 and will contain issues number 51 through 100. Witchblade Volume 1 Compendium will be quickly followed by the release of Darkness Volume 1 Compendium and Tomb Raider Volume 1 Compendium. Both are expected in stores on November 22nd. The Darkness Volume 1 Compendium will collect the Darkness issues number 1 through 40, plus the complete run of the Tales of the Darkness series. Just in time for the Darkness 10th anniversary in December, this collection will show you how the Darkness first appeared in through Jackie Estacado's Life into Turmoil. With stories by comic book heavy hitters such as Garth Ennis, Paul Jenkins, and Mark Silvestri, you can't go wrong. Plus, it features the first appearance of the Magdalena. The Tomb Raider Volume 1 Compendium will feature Tomb Raider issues number 1 through 50 and contains the adventures of Laura Croft by such comic book luminaries as Dan Jurgens, James Bonney, Andy Park, Randy Green, Eric Basaldua, Michael Turner, and more. In movie news, Marvel Studios and Universal Pictures will unleash Marvel's renowned larger-than-life green superhero onto moviegoers everywhere in summer 2008, as they have announced a June 27th release date for the action-packed new big-screen adaptation, The Incredible Hulk. Directed by top rising star Louis Leterrier, The Incredible Hulk will return to the roots of the long-running comic series, combining a well-developed storyline with incredible action and fun. Zack Penn, who previously collaborated with Marvel on X2 in this summer's smash hit X-Men The Last Stand, is writing the script. The Incredible Hulk is being independently produced by Marvel Studios through its $525 million non-recourse film finance facility and will be distributed domestically and in several international territories by Universal Pictures. Coming out on DVD this week, we have Cars, James Bond, The Ultimate Collection, Volume 1, 10-disc set, Transformers the Movie, 20th Anniversary Edition, and VeggieTales, Gideon, Tuba Warrior. And that was this week's news and information you could have easily gotten for yourself with just a little effort. And now for my comic book, Picks of the Week.
From D.C. this week, we have 52, number 27, written by Jeff Johns, Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka, and Mark Wade. Breakdowns by Keith Giffen, covers by J.G. Jones. The story of the year continues in four more chapters of America's only weekly superhero adventure. In this issue, it's Gene Loring, Sue's murderer, plus the origin of Power Girl by Wade and Adam Hughes. Batman number 658, written by Grant Morrison, art by Andy Kubert and Jesse Delperdang, cover by Kubert. The shocking conclusion to the four-part Batman and Son, written by the team of writer Grant Morrison and artists Andy Kubert and Jesse Delperdang. That has to be one of the worst and most boring solicitations in all of comics history. Green Arrow number 68, written by Judd Winnick, art and cover by Scott McDaniel and Andy Owens. It's the end of Ollie's training, just before he returned to Star City, and at more than full strength. But at what cost? And with whom at his side? Green Lantern number 14, written by Jeff Johns, art by Ivan Rice and Auclair Albert, cover by Ethan Van Skyver. Part 1 of the shocking new story arc, Wanted Hal Jordan. On the run from a legion of intergalactic bounty hunters and the new Global Guardians, Green Lantern is on the path to discovering who put a price on his head, and the shocking reason why. Meanwhile, John Stewart's undercover role is compromised, and Alan Scott makes a decision on what to do about the renegade Green Lantern, Hal Jordan. Superman number 657, written by Kurt Busick, art and cover by Carlos Pacheco and Jesus Marino. Taken to a dark future, Lois and Jimmy bear witness to the end of civilization. In a world torn apart by natural disasters, where Lex Luthor and some of the most powerful supervillains rule humanity, not even Superman can save the world. Even worse, this dystopian future may be Superman's fault. And for Marvel this week, we have Wolverine Origins number 8, written by Daniel Way, art by Steve Dillon, cover by Joe Casada. While Omega Red holds Jubilee hostage with S.H.I.E.L.D. hot on his trail, Logan makes his way to Berlin, the site of an ill-fated mission during his time in Team X, to retrieve an elusive artifact from the Cold War, the Carbonadium Synthesizer. Omega Red wants the synthesizer so that he can stabilize the deadly carbonadium bonded to his body. But can he be trusted to deliver on his end of the bargain? Of course not! Logan has a plan, though, but he's going to need some help from an old friend to pull it off. And those were my comic book picks of the week. You can view the entire list of comics being released on November 8th on the boards. And now, at the movies with Gary Indiana. How do, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another exciting segment of At the Movies with Gary Indiana. Our winner for last week is Josh from my home state of Kansas, whose name I pulled out of a hat full of the correct responses to last week's movie line. Josh answered correctly that the line came from the movie Strange Brew. Congratulations, Josh. Your prize will soon be on its way. And now this week's movie quote. 
this country is founded, it was founded by people who were into aliens, man. George Washington, man, he was in a cult, and the cult was into aliens, man. You didn't know that? Oh, man, they were way into that type of stuff, man. Do you think you know the movie? Send us an email at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com with your guess, and please include the name you would like us to use on the show in case your email is picked. And now my top three comics of October 2006. Oh, and beware, there may be spoilers. Number three is Daredevil number 93 for Marvel Comics, written by Ed Brubaker, art by Michael Lark and Stefano Goidiano, a colorist is Matt Hollingsworth, and the letterer is VC's Corey Petit. Matt goes to Sintra, a village near Lisbon, to try to track down Lily, a woman he feels is the only link to finding the people who ordered Foggy's death. Matt can't stop thinking about Lily because her scent reminds him of old flame Karen Page. He finds Lily as she's being taken forcibly from her mansion by none other than Tombstone. Matt, dressed as Daredevil, does what he does best, which is to just generally flip around and hit and kick at Tombstone. Unfortunately, it doesn't work, and Tombstone gets away with the girl. Matt follows them to Paris where... Uh, you'll just have to read it. This has to be one of my favorite books coming out of the Marvel Heroes line thus far. Uh, Ed Brubaker is a master storyteller who always leaves you wanting more, and Michael Lark just generally kicks ass. Number two is Criminal Number One from the Marvel Comics Icon line. Written by Ed the Brew Brubaker with art by Sean Phillips, colors by Val Staples. This is a crime story. Basically, we have Leo, who is one of the best in the business of crime because he doesn't take a job that's not safe. If something goes wrong, Leo runs for it and has therefore never been caught. An old pal finds Leo and offers him a score to end all scores, stealing $5 million in diamonds. The catch is that he'll have to work with the crooked cop. The great and powerful brew nails it again with criminal. This may be uh, only issue one, but I can tell from here that we're in for a wild ride. If you haven't gotten it yet, pick it up, because issue two is coming out. Uh, I think it actually came out. Pick it up. It's awesome. And number one for October is Action Comics number 844 from DC, written by Jeff Johns and Richard Donner, art by Adam Kubert. Dave Stewart is the colorist, and Rob Lay is the letterer. A small a spaceship falls to Earth, lands in Metropolis, and contains only one occupant, a small boy who seems to be from the planet Krypton. And say what you want about the art, which I loved, or the fact that Clark now looks like his Brandon Roth movie version. This book was just frickin' great. I mean, basically, you got this kid that falls to Earth. Um, Superman finds him, hands him over to the authorities like a good little boy should. The authorities, of course, disappear with him. Superman finds him and at the end just basically kidnaps him and takes him to Ma and Pa Kent to raise. This book pretty much kicked ass. I mean, it wouldn't have made my number one for the month if it didn't. So if you can find it, get it, because this arc looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and those were my top three books of October 2006. This was a tough month because there were a few great books out there. So some honorable mentions will be Captain America number 23, which dealt with uh, the Civil War and uh, the Winter Soldier working with Nick Fury to gather some information. 
Wildcats number one from Wildstorm was really good. Unfortunately, we got to wait, what, four or five months for the next issue. Uh, Wolverine number 47 from Marvel generally kicked a lot of butt. Uh, Wolverine going uh, medieval on the guy from Damage Control. And there's Justice number eight, uh, the Justice series from Alex Roth, uh, Doug Braithwaite, and uh, some guy named Kruger. Um, this is really good. I had to actually go back and read them all over again because when I got issue seven, I forgot where I was at. So just in the last couple of days, I went back and read them all over again, which actually made it a much more pleasurable reading experience. This week on Heroes, a spoilerific look at the latest episode of Heroes on NBC. Claire's friend, who videotaped her trying to kill herself over and over, has found the missing tape, and it winds up in the hands of her little brother, whom she spends the entire episode trying to convince to give the tape back and that she's not a freak. Micah and DL are on the run, and they meet up with Hero and Ando on a highway in the middle of nowhere when they come across a two-car accident. DL uses his phasing ability to get into one of the cars and try to rescue the driver before the car blows. And blows it does before they can fully escape. But no fear, Hero stops time and saves them all. We also find out that Micah does in fact have powers when he and DL stop at a motel and Micah causes an out-of-order payphone to work just by touching it, and he calls his mother Nikki. We also discover that Micah knows about Nikki's dual identity when he realizes that he's talking to her other, Jennifer, though he still tells her where they are at. Peter finds Isaac missing and all his paintings gone, but he learns from Simone that the missing painting was bought by Nathan's crooked mob backer from Vegas, and he asks Nathan to try and get the painting back. We also meet Nathan's wife in this episode and learn that she was in a car accident and is in a, and is in a wheelchair. Nathan calls his backer, and I may have heard it wrong, but it sounded as if he was successful in getting the painting for Peter, but then later, I'm pretty sure he tells Peter he couldn't get it. That is if I heard correctly. And if I did, then I gotta wonder just what the heck Nathan's playing at. Matt comes back in this episode, and he learns that his wife is hiding something from him. Before he can discover what it is, he heads off to work, where the FBI lady invites him to go off and help solve this whole Siler thing. They never find Siler, but they do bust a guy who has radioactive powers, which gives his wife cancer, and she dies. Matt discovers his wife's secret, and he hears the thoughts, uh, or when he hears the thoughts of his old partner, who has been sleeping with Matt's wife. Matt doesn't take it very well. The episode ends with Jennifer, Nikki's dark half, loading a gun to go out and get Micah back. Next week on Heroes, according to NBC, Back in India to mourn the passing of his father, Mohinder encounters mysterious dreams of the past that force him to question what path to take next. Continuing their journey to New York, Hero and Ando stop at a diner and meet someone interesting. 
In crisis, Nikki comes to a personal understanding. Determined to see one of Isaac's paintings that Simone recently sold, Peter asks Nathan to help for help in finding a key to the future. Intent on getting back to her normal life, Claire focuses on homecoming preparations, unaware of what's to come. Meanwhile, HRG and a surprising associate focus their attentions on another hero. And that was This Week on Heroes. Which, I guess, takes us to the Podcast Spotlight. In this week's comic book podcast spotlight, we take a look at the Comic News Insider podcast at comicnewsinsider.com. Comic News Insider is your source for news, reviews, and interviews on everything comic book, animation, sci-fi, and pop culture. Hosted by Joe Gonzalez and Jimmy Aquino, CNI is a weekly podcast that is both informative and entertaining. Joe and Jimmy review new weekly comic titles, deliver the latest industry news, and share their top three picks of the week. Special episodes include guest interviews with the biggest names in the comic book industry today, including John Cassidy, Paul Pope, Jim Lee, Brian K. Vaughn, Joss Whedon, Ed Brubaker, Rosario Dawson, and many more. Also, guest segments include Blair Butler from G4's Attack of the Show. Tune in every week to get your comic book news and more. Their last episode, or at least the latest one as of the time of this recording, was their Halloween all-zombie episode. It was pretty funny. Especially when two of their so-called on-the-scene newsmen get eaten by zombies. I listen each and every week. This show will always have a place in my iPod. Anyway, check them out at Comic News Insider and make sure and tell them that Steven sent you. I guess that means it's time for The View from Norman, Oklahoma a weekly segment in which our resident bitter old fanboy pisses and moans about the comic book industry or just anything that generally pisses him off. Ladies and gentlemen, Norman, Oklahoma. Here we go. Yeah, baby! This song just kicks ass! Can I get a yeehaw? Come on, can I get a yeehaw? No? Alright then, cut it! Just the other day, I'm thumbing through Steven's newest copy of Wizard Magazine. I believe it was issue number 182. Anyway, as I'm looking through it, I come upon a little article called Bringing Up the Rear, in which there are a number of shots of comic art showing nothing but various rear ends of comic book ladies. And it's your job to look at this collection of rumps and decide A, whose ass it is, and B, who drew it. Now the word tacky just seems to fly into my head. Don't get me wrong, I may be old, but I'm far from prudish, nor am I easily offended. And I understand that the cover of the magazine does say, not recommended for all ages. But come on already. I'm usually the first person to roll my eyes when I read a post from some angry and uptight comics reader who go on and on about Wizard being nothing but a magazine that fills each page with fart jokes and cheesecake art. And yet I felt that this might have been a little too over the top. I mean, what's next? The rack of the month? Give me a break, Wizard. You may have had your moments of tastelessness in the past, but this one was just plain bad. Hey... Something else we agree on, Norman. No, now don't get all cuddly and fluffy about it just because we agree on something. I mean, you're just a big wussy anyway, so of course it's going to piss you off. Anyway, I'm out of here. Adios. (laughs) And so with Norman's abrupt departure, it brings us to Stephen's Song of the Week. This week's song comes from George Harab. I ran into George's stuff when I was looking for something light and bouncy to play beneath the news and information sponsor ads, and I came across his plu-parenthetical polka, 
and was soon enjoying his other songs. As a matter of fact, his song Convenient is the theme to At the Movies with Gary Indiana, and Irk, played before my top three books of the month segment, is George's as well. So without any more ado, She Suffers from Superlatives by George Robb. How is it you can feel no sorrow? The best, the worst, the most I'm thinking don't relatives It's not about you, but your glass is high as that every toast When she's around My ship runs aground The wedding dress is very nice The pearl, the stitch, the lace A yeasty mess is put on ice you grab the bottle by the neck, you pull it up to your face. When she starts to emote, my hope doesn't float. How is it you can feel no sorrow?
relatives. If I should take a nap, I think you're at 1459. When she's being all cute. And this brings another head-scratching episode to a close. If you like Stephen's Song of the Week, you can check out info on George Robb over at geologicrecords.net. And please take a moment to show me how much you love and care for this show. You can do that in four ways. You can send me an email at justanotherfanboy at gmail.com. Please include the name that you want us to use in the show. You can sign up and post at the message board at pythonland.com slash fanboy. We have a few members now, but we could always use more. You can also go to Podcast Alley at podcastalley.com, search for Just Another Fanboy, and vote for the show. Or you could find the show on iTunes and write us a review. Or, of course, you could just do all four. The theme song for the show is Comic Book by the Super Spies. Find it and information about the band at garageband.com. The rest of the music from this week's episode comes from the Podshow Podsafe Music Network at music.podshow.com. So until next week, I'm Steven, and I'm just another fanboy. Bye-bye, Daddy. Bye-bye, Daddy. Good job.